Hello and good evening. It's about 8.35 on the 25th of March and I've just finished speaking to Kim in Singapore. And there's been a lot of talk, a lot of um, comparison between um, Australia and Singapore in the handling of COVID-19 slash coronavirus slash the global pandemic. And it's very interesting to find out uh, just exactly how off the mark we are compared to what happened over there. I'm hearing that from other parts of the world, it looks as though Australia is dealing with things quite well. And I really hope that that's the case. I guess only time will tell. Um, I'll just take this opportunity to say I really uh, do apologize for the production value of this show. It is not my best work, but I'm trying to just have a chat to people who are living in different countries via some pretty crappy internet at my end at the moment, I'm afraid to say, uh, and then release it as quickly as possible. So I am sorry if the sound quality is not perfect, but do bear with me and just, you know, get the essence, get the vibe. All right. Enjoy my chat with Kim. Hello. How are you this evening? Hi, Natalie. I'm absolutely wonderful. It's not quite evening where I am yet. The sun is yet to go down. Oh, what time does it get dark there at this time of year for you? Well, it's 7 p.m. any time of year because we're right on the equator. 7 a.m. Yep, 7 a.m. the sun comes up. 7 p.m. it goes down. It varies by about 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yes. Gosh, isn't that funny? I never, I actually never knew that. Oh, well, I suppose I kind of did on some level, but I'd never really kind of yeah. thought about it. How funny. So, um, Kim, you're in Singapore, but I detect a little accent there. Yeah, but don't hate me for it, Natalie. So. <laughs> uh, I am, I'm a Kiwi, so New Zealand born and bred. Uh, left New Zealand about 18 years ago. Wow. Came here came here to Singapore for a couple of years, did Kuala Lumpur for a couple of years, Sydney, Sydney, um, for nine. <laughs> Very good. Ossified <laughs> <laughs> uh, my accent there. And then um, came back here to Singapore five years ago. But yeah, definitely still a Kiwi at heart. Oh, bless. And do you, does Singapore sort of feel a little bit like home now? Are you, do you think you're going to settle there for... Oh, Singapore feels very much like home. Yeah. yeah. I think when, when you've been a terminal expat, a terminal yeah. immigrant, yes. like we have, home is, home is less about a location and more around um, what's around you, possessions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, no, Singapore, my taproot is very well grounded down here, put it that oh, way. Yeah. Yes, yes, excellent. And so... Seeing as though the topic of the day is the global pandemic that has been sweeping, well, the literal globe, Singapore mm-hmm. was pretty quick to um, really nip things in the bud there. How, how are things sitting right now? Interesting. Uh, so I was here during SARS. In fact, my daughter was right. born here in the middle of SARS and I'm in labor going to the hospital having to have my temperature taken because you know, wow. that's, that, that's what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, the, the blessing, we are so, so fortunate here in Singapore for many reasons. Uh, one of them is that we have had SARS and we've had MERS mm. in the past. Mm. And so after SARS, the Singapore government made sure that it enacted 
a very strict, very clear policy when it comes to um, epidemics and pandemics. Mm -hmm. And that's been sitting away gathering dust, you know, mm. in, some, in some filing cabinet somewhere. We're also fortunate in that we are in Singapore because the virus started making its way out of China during Chinese New Year. Now, about, about 40, 50% of the, of the population here are of Chinese heritage. So Singaporean government knew, just knew that there were going to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who had gone back to China for Chinese New Year and would mm. be imp importing the virus. So we're really lucky in terms of preparation and we're really lucky in terms of timing. And so what happened was by the end of January, the government had already gone, bam, here's our policy, here's our process. If you are flying in from China, you are in a 14-day quarantine and they don't mess around, right? Mm -hmm. Your 14-day quarantine is a 14-day quarantine. Um, Asian cultures tend to have a very, very strong familial um, support system. You know, mm -hmm. your family supports you. So people are in quarantine, but, you know, that would mean that your sister or your brother or your auntie or whatever would go and get your groceries for you, bring them to you. Mm. Um, because of that, and then they activated uh, creating the tests. So the moment people started coming back into Singapore in late January, they were under quarantine. They were being tested as soon as they could with the COVID-19 test. And then the government started um, activating their test and trace process. So then they would go back and say, who have you been in contact with since mm. you've been back in Singapore? And this is, this is carried on since. So even community, uh, community transmission, they quarantine the person, they test the person. Within two hours, they have traced all of their movements from the past two weeks and they have contacted anyone that they feel has come in contact with that person who might be at risk. And then those people are put in quarantine. And so was, was Singapore, because when, during the SARS epidemic, I was gallivanting through Southeast Asia with literally no idea what was going on. <laughs> and I was in my mid twenties and I, I have no real, um, memory of it as such other than that it happened was Singapore quite badly affected that time around or like yes. you were saying that that was the catalyst for making sure it didn't happen again is that because it was badly affected we were an epicenter but it was a different right. disease Natalie yeah. um, it was a killer like it was killing one in three people mm. but it wasn't as infectious as this particular disease. Right. So yeah, if you caught SARS, uh, it was likely that you were going to lose your life. Wow. But, in, but that particular disease, you were sweating profusely and you were coughing and you were spluttering before you were actually shedding virus, right? So, <laughs> so, wow. so, it was a, it, so, so you kind of knew that you were sick. Yeah. So you weren't necessarily going out grocery shopping. Um, Yep. But, but yes, but because of the mortality rate of SARS um, and because Singapore was one of the epicenters, so we didn't, we didn't necessarily lose, I, I, I think maybe we lost a handful of lives 
Right. Um, don't quote me on that, but it, it wasn't mm-hmm. the, the loss of life was small, but only because the disease is nowhere near as infectious as COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And, and because the Singapore government has the levers that it can pull mm. to, to enact strict quarantine and, and, and because the Singaporean people t- who are generally are very community focused mm-hmm. and do what they're told for the, for the good of the community. Yeah, see, that's not the first time I've heard you say some, uh, sorry, not you. I've heard somebody say something um, along those sort of similar lines. So you're my kind of sixth interview now. A couple kind of in um, the North American region, uh, Europe and Asia. And what's interesting is that our government at the moment is kind of using Singapore as a comparison to what the Australian government's trying to do or actually comparison is probably not the quite, quite the right word. They're trying to justify their actions by using um, Singapore as an example. Mm-hmm. The problem that I'm finding with that is that really they're just trying to justify not closing the schools uh, because Singapore didn't, but I'm finding that there's so many other things that Singapore have done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, pulling, so I, yeah, I'm pulling faces. You can't yeah. see yeah, I can imagine. Like, oh, they are what? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Can, can, I, can I leap in here? Because that's horrifying sure. to me. That's absolutely horrifying to me. So sure, um, my daughter was at school until yesterday. They're currently on a three-day trial doing virtual schooling, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and unfortunately, one of the teachers at their school tested positive yesterday oh, right. for COVID-19. So that, so that might... But, okay, that aside, Singapore had their finger on the pulse mm. from the time the virus landed. Mm. And they have, they have visibility. If, 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 if I could get your listeners to understand one important thing about, you know, why anything is necessary, you know, any lockdown or testing or anything that the government is trying to do, it's because you can't see the damn thing. Mm. You can, and the only way you can see it is to test for it and then to have an idea of where it might have spread from there, right? Um, so we have, yes, we have been able to go about our lives. We still got, we were members of the British club here, so we pop up to the British club and, and you know, and play croquet. No, I'm kidding. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> You should have seen the look on my face then. (laughs) No, it's actually delightful. It's a wonderful warm. It's very much like an RSA, RSL. RSL, yes, very good. Yeah, no, the British club here is very much like an RSL. But we we can still go up there and we can still go out to cafes and have our brunch um, only because, A, there are some very strict social distancing rules in, in place um, be only because we tend to get our we have to sign a declaration and get our temperature taken everywhere we go at the moment you know uh, to say mm-hmm. that we haven't traveled recently mm-hmm. um, and see we can only do that and my daughter can only go to school because we tend to have an idea of where the virus has been lurking mm. so yeah I <laughs> Oh, no. I get that. I get that other governments might say, "Hey, look, Singapore have get this have kept their schools open." Yeah, but they are literally testing 
anyone who looks like they might have half a fever and they are literally quarantining or putting under stay-at-home notice, which is, a, is an official notice of quarantine mm. if you have been if you've traveled in from outside of the country or if you have been in contact with someone who has the virus they 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 have they are three steps ahead of the virus mm. that's why our life has to some degree been able to go ahead i if i was in australia right now or anywhere else where there's not that kind of sense of being ahead of the virus I personally would be calling for total shutdown until you can see where the virus is. Yeah. Well, look, yeah, people have been um, and medical professionals, teachers, lo lots of different groups and lots of just regular citizens as well. Um, I guess there are also some really marked differences just between Australia and Singapore outside of that you've got a much smaller area to contain. We're talking, you know, a huge landmass. People spread over such huge areas, different state um, governments to contend with as well. So we have situations where state governments are kind of pushing back against the federal government and vice versa. The federal government really wants to keep the schools open. Victoria's decided to shut theirs, but having said that they were due to go on school holidays at the end of this week anyway. So they're just closing a week early. We're still, we've still got this week and another two weeks in New South Wales before our school holidays begin. So there's that issue. And also just listening to you and the way that it sounds this, that the Singapore people behave, um, particularly when they're given an order from the government, we've been hearing stories <laughs> now here of Australians, or people in Australia who've gone to be tested, have tested positive, and then have stopped at the supermarket on the way home. Oh, <laughs> so, Natalie. I know. I'm not okay, no. laughing, but it's, not, it's so not funny. No, but literally, it, the, the chief medical officer had to come out and say, oh, my God, like, no, go home. You have, to, you have to go straight home. You can't stop off to pick up the on the way home. That's there's two problems there. That's an education problem. Your leadership has not educated the public no, well enough. No. And secondly, there's a trust problem. Okay, um, we all of us who live here trust what comes out of the government's mouths with regards to this disease, right? We, we like there, there is inherent, unshakable trust that they are trying to do the best that they can. And, and I think that really helps. But for people to not know from a federal level in Australia that if you test positive, you... Well, actually, the difference being that if you test positive here, you go straight to the hospital in an ambulance, you know, with people dressed up like... Um, in their predicted... The hazmat suits. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hazmat suits, like something out of E.T., the movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, but that... I'm sorry that people aren't being educated enough about this. Mm. And I'm sorry that many places around the world have lost trust in their government to the oh. point where even if they were educated, they weren't, they wouldn't really be listening. And no. I think that there, cause I'm a deep thinker, Natalie, but that there is, a, <laughs> is a, <laughs> but that's a point of reflection for us all. Absolutely. You know, 
Mm. Do we need to know that our leaders are people that we can rely on and that we can trust? Well, unfortunately, and I'm sure you saw it on the news um, during the recent absolutely horrific bushfire season, this exact same government gave us every single reason not to trust them. So it it's really unsurprising um, that nobody's listening and that nobody's been taking it seriously. It's actually come down to the premiers. I think the Victorian premier um, has really seems to have a handle on the Victorians. They seem to have, um, and he also showed great leadership through the, through the fires as well. Whereas the federal government were literally worse than abysmal. It was embarrassing and also very costly in terms of lives and property and you know wildlife and I mean it was just horrific a very horrific and so we've come straight off the back of this we've still got communities who have lost everything Mm. and the government hasn't even had time or I don't know bothered to follow up and then now we've been hit with well then we had some floods (laughs) in between and now we've been hit with this as well so uh, it's as you as you say you know even for a deep thinker you don't have to really think that far back or that deeply about why there is such a um, problem with trust government right now. However, so what I'd say, I love that feedback. Thank you. You know, because I don't have much visibility of what's going on in Australia, Mm. you know, at the ground level. What I would say to people, if you are in Australia or wherever you are in the world, if you trust a leader and it might be a city leader, right? Mm. It, it might be a, a state leader or a federal leader. Find the person you trust and then do whatever the hell it is they are saying you do. Yeah. No, <laughs> right. it's true. It's true. Yeah. A lot of people are listening to um, the ABC. There's a, there's a Dr. Norman Swan. He's been on there and he's been telling everybody for, since it began to stay home, like that's, he's been his advice. And a lot of people okay. are taking that on board. Great. So that, that is, that is a good thing. But I also agree with you, um, and this is the whole reason I started these interviews that it is very difficult to, to look at another country and how they've handled things just by, I guess, reading things online or articles. And, and, and this is why I find it really interesting to actually talk to people who are there and get the real on the ground perspective mm. of it. It's, mm. it's such a different thing, even though you might get, parts of the feeling of it and the real essence of it from from reading you know what Singapore's for instance what Singapore has done but not really till you talk to somebody the way I'm talking to you now do you really get to kind of understand how it, how it really went down and 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 what kind of impact it is actually having on everybody who's there it's a totally different thing there's so much nuance as well. You know, it, yes. there's nuance in terms of the, of the way that the governments are prepared, the way that the governments feel empowered to pass on, you know, directives and information. Do you need to kiss someone goodnight? I do. Good night, darling. <laughs> oh, good, good night, night darling. <laughs> oh, it's you. <laughs> Have a good sleep, lovely. Um, I love this. <laughs> He's dressed up in his um, one of his costumes. <laughs> oh, do you know what? If I had a costume, I'd be dressed up in it too, Natalie. No, why not? Why not? 
No, we should all just be dressing up in costumes all day. I'm just supposed to be mostly wearing tracksuit pants. I'm obviously I'm getting this whole thing wrong. I should be dressing up in my best clothes and yeah, acting like a princess. Anyway. <laughs> I saw a lady online today on Twitter. Her children had asked her to have her lunch in her wedding dress, and so she did. Oh, and I think, really? Fabulous. It's oh, beautiful. That is that is gorgeous. I love some of these stories that are coming out. And yeah, right. I am trying to look at the, you know, I guess the silver lining, the bright side, whatever you want to call it. My husband mm-hmm. normally works um, away during the week and is is doesn't come home sort of two or three nights um when he's away and he's been coming home every night and i'm i'm like this is yeah amazing like i'm <laughs> really actually enjoying this and i can kind of do this for a little while longer it's nice to you know have him home and the kids are really enjoying it so there are some um there's some kind of nice aspects about forcing families to spend time together <laughs> There are actually, every day on social media at the moment, I'm actually posting a silver lining because that's what I realized. Well, a, it was, a, it was good for my health and well-being yes, to, just, yes. to just realign with gratitude every yes, day. Yes. Um, but also, like I'm sitting here now and I'm looking out my bedroom window at this incredibly blue Singapore sky. And in Australia, that's nothing, right? Yeah, blue sky. Mm-hmm. Um, Often it's so industrialized around us in Indonesia and Malaysia, you know, all through South, that it's normally hazy. And um, you know that Mother Nature is just taking a very deep breath at the moment. Absolutely. just there's just so many amazing things the humor that's going on online don't are people freaking funny people are so funny seriously people are so funny like we send stuff to each my sisters and i send stuff to each other all day all day long and they always say how funny are people People are so innovative. The yeah. guys in, in, in Italy that they oh. needed uh, the ventilators, they needed like a, a, a piece that they couldn't source. So these guys went and 3D printed it. I just think we're, we are, it, when we choose to be, we humans are freaking amazing um, creatures. That's the thing though, isn't it? When we choose to be. Yeah. So maybe we <sighs> should choose to be a little more often. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's inherent in this little situation we're going through what we choose to be I think I would have to agree with you there well it was really um really lovely to talk to you I won't I won't keep you any longer I'll let you get back to your parrot and um (laughs) you can hear her downstairs (laughs) (laughs) whatever whatever's for dinner but I'd love it if um if I could check back in with you in a week or two and just see if how things are, are, are going still with you guys over there and have another chat Natalie let's do that you might find me sobbing in the corner it's all part of the journey, isn't it? Oh, Natalie, thank you for doing what you're doing. I just think more than anything else at the moment, we're understanding that human connection is one of the most valuable things that we should acknowledge and, and amplify. And what you're doing right now is amazing, truly, from my heart. So thank you. Oh, wow. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I, and I do. I hope people, you know, enjoy feeling that connection between people as well take care you too take care please top up my glass